absolutely normal. It's certainly annoying, but it's really normal. Um, and I would say this is the time to start ramping up your exercise. But he's a border collie, so he really needs to be doing some oh, work. No, he's the fourth one I've had. Yeah, so but you know, none, there's, none of the others have been as bad as him. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, they're they're all a bit individual, aren't they? Um, yeah, I would, you know, smart dogs, border collies, and I would. There's some really really great puzzle toys and puzzle feeders on the market these days. Um, put your dog to work. Make him work for his food. Have a look mm. online um, and and look at getting some puzzle feeders. There's things where you can just put the kibble into little um, pockets and things like that. Start with some of the easy ones um, and then yeah, build I've your got, way I've up. Got one of those balls with those holes in it. The, and, um, yeah. Get him, get him a Kong. The Kongs, yeah. Kong, yeah, because yeah. anything you can do that's going to take up more of his time um, from an eating standpoint and, and give him a bit of a sense of accomplishment is going to mm. help him to feel a little bit more relaxed. And don't hesitate. Um, you know, it's often around the six to eight month mark where we often have to sort of ramp up the exercise again um, and, you know, maybe split it in terms of instead of one walk a day, you might have to try to fit in two walks a day. Um, mm. You know, obviously he's a he's going to be a young fit dog, so get him chasing a ball or a frisbee. Usually um, border collies are pretty good um, at mm. having a, a chase drive with, um, you know, with toys and things like that. Um, no, well, I used to wear the other ones out down to the soccer field with one of those throwers in the end. They wouldn't bring the ball back at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can't do it in the moment because they're playing soccer at the moment. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to go a long distance, but you might just need to, you know, spend some time in the backyard, just really sort of running him around in the backyard a little bit. Um, But I, I, you know, I can't speak highly enough of the puzzle feeders and things. And even though it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll take him an hour to eat his breakfast, um, it it might just take him, you know, five or ten minutes extra time. Um, But it seems to help calm them. It seems to give them like like. Like I said, a sense of accomplishment and it just helps to sort of chill them out and relax them. So, um, and then just realize that this stage will pass. You know, he's a puppy. It's normal for puppies. They're hard work. As soon as he hits 12 to 14 months of age, he'll probably be a really lovely dog. <laughs> there you go, Ray. Probably. Well, he's, he's 15 kilos now, so he's going to be a fairly big dog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so good. Yeah. So okay. you just have to just have to wait it out to a certain degree. That was good, Kimberly, mentioning that uh, with the puzzle feeders, a lot of people assume that, oh, but hang on, it's it's only an extra 10 minutes of their time. So it's great yeah. that you mention it actually does change their mood and what yeah. they do after that. It does because it's not just about, you know, how long it takes. It's really about that they've they've worked something out. They've used their brain and using their brain actually helps to relax their body as well. And I've got loads of them for my dog. When she was six months old, you know, it would take her quite a lot longer to work them out. And sometimes she wasn't that interested. Now, she's just over a year um, and she gets through them pretty quickly um, but it doesn't matter like as soon as she's finished she just goes and lies down and she chills out and she's like oh I'm so proud of myself Isn't I've just good? worked that out so yeah it's, it's really like good it's like us when we've done a run yeah. or we've done something challenging we yeah. go okay we can calm we can have a reward of sitting and relaxing yeah. now and I used to time her like we used to you know start <laughs> time her the first bit. time I know the first time she'd hit some of these puzzle toys it would be like you know six to eight minutes that it would take her and then she'd get faster and faster so now, you know, her hardest one, which she's still only on a level two puzzle toy. Um, so you can get different I, levels. Yeah. Some of the companies, they will, they, they grade them like from level one up to level four ah. um, in complexity, right? So I don't think my dog is super, super smart. She's probably never going to be smart enough for a level four. Um, but I think I could probably bump her up to a level three um, and she's enjoying it now. And so like she'll, she'll sit there and do it and she'll do it all in one go and it might take her three minutes and all the food's out. And then she's just like, oh, oh, oh I'm so good. Ah, that <laughs> it's is really fun. Right to know. Yeah. Barbara, welcome to the show. You're in Raymond Terrace, how can Kimberly help you today? 
Yes, good afternoon. Um, I have two two dogs. One's a Staffy, another is a Bull Arab Cross. And the since the posties have introduced the use of electronic buggies, they don't seem to like the buggies, and they can hear the buggy a, a, a block away, and they start barking and want to attack it. Whereas before, when they had the motorised scooters, they used to greet the postie at the gate and let them be patted and oh. quite happy to see them. And I'm wondering if there's something with the electronics of the buggy that might be hurting their ears or, or what, uh, what it might be. Gee, I, I don't really know with that. Listen, I mean, certainly the buggies um, sound a lot different to the scooters. I know that we hear um, the one coming down our road, you know, it's quite a different. And, it, and it's certainly possible that it's maybe got more of a high-pitched sort of, um, you know, electric noise that we're not really... Um, picking up on, but the um, but the dogs are. Has the the postie himself hasn't changed? It's the same person. Same person. Same and person. They are quite bemused as to yeah. why yeah you know, that the dogs want to now yeah you know, go for yeah for, that's for the, the first postie. time I've heard of that and and I can't think of any um, particular reason but it must be to do with the sound or something happening maybe it's that they can hear it um, at a greater distance and there's more anticipation of it whereas maybe mm. with the scooter it sort of came upon them a little bit faster I'm not I don't entirely know why obviously we want to make sure that the postie is safe and so um, you know, trying to um, uh, set it up so that, you know, the postie maybe gets an opportunity to, you know, come out and feed them treats and things like that, stops there. The, it's it's really hard to be a postie because the dogs always think that they've won. You know, a postie comes down the road and he's dropped something in your mailbox. Um, the dogs start to bark and they carry on and, and you know, run at them or and jump at them. And leaves. he leaves. And so the dogs are like, yes, we won. Um, and so it's a, it's a reinforcing behavior for them. So the dogs who are problematic with those sorts of things sometimes, provided the dogs themselves aren't aggressive um, and with the owner you know sort of being there sometimes actually getting the postie to stop and you know feeding a few treats to the dogs and giving them a, a pat and trying to make a positive association between the postie coming um, and not necessarily just reinforcing that yes if the dogs carry on um, like guard dogs that they're going to chase the postie away that that can be the easiest sort of thing but uh, I'm not entirely sure why there would be a change between the scooters and the and the um, electric buggies so it's interesting. It certainly yeah, is. Thank yeah. you so much for the call. We very much appreciate it. It is Pet Chat 49216216. Kathy, you're in Cameron Park. Uh, now, you're looking for an alternative to worming and flea tablets because it's very hard to get your dog to ingest them. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, so you're not alone in that, um, Kathy. It can be hard for some people to tablet them. And despite the companies making, you know, doing their best effort at trying to um, make a palatable tablet, mm. um, lots of times dogs are, you know, they're onto it. They, they're not going to have it. They're not um, interested. Uh, certainly my dog just goes, nah. Yeah, so you can sometimes do it. If the tablets aren't too big, you can sometimes disguise it by wrapping it in oh, um, a bit of cheese that. or things. they done that. Yeah, the, the really <laughs> important thing... Cream. Yeah, ice cream. ice cream, peanut butter, um, or that you know the um, the cream cheese in a jar it's that often that, can yeah. work. Yeah. Have you tried raw mince? Because that works for done us. That. Yeah. Oh gosh. So okay, so you need an alternative. So if that's not working, yeah. um, there I'll are it mixed it with food and everything. You won't. Yeah, won't mixing it with food, food is hard. I I do find if you can find a, a yummy treat, you've got to give them one 
with no tablet, like an unadulterated meatball first, and then they eat that, and they're not suspicious to send for the second one. But if you try to just give them that, but anyway, that's fine. There, there are some alternatives available. It depends. Um, it's a little bit hard because there's not any one sort of treatment for dogs that will cover them for everything yeah, as a topical. I've but that, there yeah. are some really good um, topical um, flea and tick preventatives that, that will last for six months. So it's a top spot that you can put on the back of the neck. And then you would just need to cover worming and heartworm. So um, your veterinarian can certainly give you a heartworm injection that will last for a whole year. So oh, between okay. that and the top spot, um, you're covered for, um, you know, that'll do fleas, ticks and heartworm. So that's the majority of them. Then we just got to deal with the intestinal worms. Um, and unfortunately for dogs, there aren't, there isn't anything that's perfect that will do all the intestinal worms. But if you're going along to your vet to get um, the heartworm injection, you could always get the vet or the vet nurse to tablet the dog because chances are they'll be able to get that in. Um, And even if that only has to happen, certainly in my practice, um, we've got some clients who will bring their cats or bring their dogs in um, and our nurses will just give them their, you know, routine um, worming because the owners just aren't able to do it at home. So I'm sure that would be a service that your vet would be able to do for you. Um, And unless your dog is, you know, heavily into eating birds and mice and things like that, you can probably delay your um, intestinal worming. You know, we, we recommend it every three months, but if it happened only every six months and you were covering fleas and ticks and heartworms otherwise you'd be safe all right there you go kathy thank you kimberly when when the vets do do it is it just a quick get them unawares get the tablet just shove the finger down the throat sometimes you know like we've got a lot of practice doing it we've got some different techniques um but also you know dogs and cats they tend to behave better for us or at least dogs do they tend to behave better for us than they do for their own people they're a little bit like children you know like take the kids to school and they're angels and they come home and they're devils it's totally so you know they're a little bit out of sorts they're not in their own um, environment um, and then we can get in and get it done really quickly usually I, I every once in a while I come across a dog that's really hard for me to tablet as well okay um, but you know it, it usually we'll get it in hello Bev in Singleton how can uh, Kimberly help you hello, Alan. Um, I've got a three and a half year old Jack Russell long hair to our cross boy mm-hmm. he has Scratched. I've had him obviously fourth owner in, in the first six months and he has scratched non-stop for the last three years. I've just taken him back to a different vet and he, because he started to lose hair. He's lost the hair around his eyes and everything. Mm. His throat's really thinned out. He diagnosed him with grass mite. He's got a severe allergy to grass mite. I've tried everything before that. I've tried his diet. I've tried, he doesn't eat chicken. He eats the best of dog food. He loves Yep. Fresh salmon, he loves fresh barramundi and vegetables and all sorts of things. Oh, but wow. Anyway, okay. Yep. He's, and he's s- now, um, he's now, he's not scratching anywhere near as much, although I have noticed in the last two days he started again. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is, if he has a severe allergy to grass mites, does this mean he can't go on the grass? Or when I walk him, do I walk him on a path rather than... Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, so he hasn't had allergy testing yet to, to determine, um, for sure what his allergy, um, triggers are. Is that right? Or he no, has had allergy testing? Not as yet. He has, not yet. No. Yeah. So, I mean, the gold standard would be that he sees a dermatologist and has some allergy testing. Um, and then we determine, and certainly grass mites is not an uncommon 
one, but sometimes it's the grass itself, sometimes it's the mites, sometimes it's pollens in the air, sometimes it's a combination of different things. Um, I think it doesn't hurt to trial and see whether he's better off the grass, um, but you know, it's it's going to be grass mites aren't just on the grass. They're going to be, you know, they're they're like dust mites and mold mites. They're they're out in the environment and they're there. And he doesn't necessarily need to come in physical contact with them because he can breathe them in potentially. And and um, there's all sorts of triggers that you know dogs will come in contact with um, through their respiratory tract. They they cause problems in the skin, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the skin is contacting them directly. Um, so I would I would try it and see if you think it's um, it, it improves him. Um, if you can go down the track of seeing a, a specialist dermatologist and doing that allergy testing, it can be really beneficial because then the dermatologist can prescribe a course of desensitization for him potentially, um, and that's the the opportunity we have to actually potentially cure his problem. Oh. Um, so you know it's but it's not it's not in GP vet land. I'm afraid you know we don't have access to some of those testing. Um, modalities so um you know it might mean a little bit of travel from singleton we do have dermatologists that come into newcastle i'm I'm not sure if they travel into singleton or not um so that might be something to think about um there's lots of other sort of topical things um and things that we can do to try to improve the barrier of the skin you know we talk about skin barrier function and using um some topical um there's some essential oil products there's things like uh, leave-on conditioner sprays that can help to build the ceramides in the skin those sorts of things that can help just improve the general health of the skin, which can sometimes help to act as a better barrier against those allergens. Um, so yeah, I, I would try it and see. It may not make a difference, but it might be. You might find that you know certain types of grass even um, make your dog more itchy than others. So skin itchy um, dogs, oh gee, they're so frustrating. They can be really, really challenging. Yeah, um, I've tried everything. Yeah, it's really hard, and it's frustrating for you as the pet owner who has to watch your dog sort of suffer. It feels so bad for them, yeah. itching all the That's time. That's exactly right. He doesn't, well, before, a fortnight ago, I couldn't tell you the last time he had a decent night's sleep or I yeah. had a decent night's Aww. sleep. Yeah. It's, feeling it's, for you, Bev. It's hard. It's hard. And to see a dermatologist, how, how do I go about that? Uh, so speak to your vet. They can organize a referral for you. And then, um, you know, you'd have to probably wait. To, the, the guys usually come up to Newcastle sort of once a month or once every six weeks or there'd be ple- places you could travel to um, Tugger or Sydney um, for more routine, you know, sort of visits that way. So, um, but yeah, talk to your local vet, ask for a referral to a dermatologist. Thinking of you, Bev, and your pooch, please let us know how you get on and here's to getting a full night's sleep back yeah, again for at both some of them. point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> been doing a lot of questions Kimberly that's good it's a good show it's excellent I mean that's what it's all about but if you do have a question 49216216 now we've had a gentleman phone from Charlestown he didn't want to go to air but we had a lady uh, a couple of minutes ago that said her dog's been severely affected by uh, was it grass mites yeah, Bev in Singleton yeah, yeah mm. really itchy uh, so this gentleman's rung in and said tea tree oil is the way to go yeah so lots of people like to use tea tree on the their dog's skin um, we actually don't recommend tea tree so ten- tea tree um, can actually be quite strong and can be quite irritant for dog skin right um, it is something that's you know we see it on 
websites and things like that. Try tea tree, put it down your dog's ears and rub it on their skin. Um, But in addition, if the dog licks it off, it can be quite toxic for them. So Ah. tea tree oil is not something that we would recommend for a dog with itchy skin. And and dogs with itchy skin often have very dry, thin and broken skin and tea tree can sting and it can be quite irritant. I um, know on our skin, putting tea tree oil on can really burn if you've got something, you know, So, So, yeah, so, you know, obviously... um, trying to be helpful um, but it's not something that we would typically recommend yeah. okay yeah. all right look for a veterinary product and and like there's lots of good things on the market these days in fact there's a brand new conditioner leave-on conditioner or something that i've just heard about that might be really good for people like um bev's dog which has a steroid in it that you sort of leave it on and it's a topical steroid i haven't actually ah, seen it or used good. it but it's i've just heard through the grapevine that it's coming out so all right very good a new good option meant to ask you as well kimberly you were in a fortnight ago and we were hearing of uh, the disease, is it leptospirosis? Yes, yeah. Um, has there been an update on yeah. this? So, um, so there's a couple updates. So one of them is that um, the dog that was treated um, by our, our colleagues at um, Cardiff Vet Hospital, well, it was identified by them and it was referred down to the specialist centre at SASH um, in Sydney who handled all the cases or a lot of the cases that um, in the Sydney outbreak. Um, and that dog has actually gone home. That puppy survived. Oh, that's and that fantastic. He has gone home and um, there was a little a little news report on the Sash website with a, a very cute picture of this very cute, white, fluffy, great big giant eared dog. So it's really good. Um, but we have had two more cases in our local area. So um, our colleagues at Cooks Hill Vet Hospital, uh, as well as out at Madawi, um, oh, this week have both uh, have both had positive cases. So because we knew it was at Spears Point, <clears throat> yes. but at that we didn't. Re- so Cooks Hill now and Madawi. Cooks Hill and Madawi. So you know, I think um, for anybody who's worried about it, you know, get on to your vet and get your dogs vaccinated. We've done lots of vaccinations, um, and I had said I wasn't convinced that I was going to vaccinate my puppy because um, one case does not make an outbreak. But um, listen, she's booked in to get done with <laughs> this week now. <laughs> there you go. So three, three cases does. And, and the thing I don't want, you know, I don't want people to panic. It's not like we haven't had this disease in this area um, before. And when I was speaking um, with Dr. Dave, he said, you know, over the last sort of decades or so, they've had, you know, a handful of cases, half a dozen cases here and there. Um, but we've just got the, the perfect environmental conditions right now with all the wet and soggy soil and things like sure, that, sure. Um, that it's just making, you know, for really, really ripe feeding grounds for this organism. And so. from what you said before, um, it doesn't cost a fortune to get the vaccination. So in a lot of cases, yep. better to be safe than, than sorry. Yeah, and we're pretty much, for most of our, our clients coming in to have their regular vaccines, we're asking if they'd like to add the Lepto vaccine on. It doesn't add a whole extra lot to the consult fee. So, yeah. It's Pet Chat on 2 and URFM. Look, we've just been here having a giggle talking about how to get urine from a, from a dog. And I was <laughs> telling Kimberly how I did it. And then I realised we had to talk. So look, let's <laughs> let's do are. our job. Welcome to the show, uh, Philip. You've got a question, and and that's what prompted it. You are trying to get um, a urine sample from your elderly female border collie. Uh, correct. Yes, she's uh, had a, uh, a, a series of um, infections, a, a, a infection, and also uh, treatments. Yes. And the vets asked us to get us the sample just to make sure we've got it cleared up. Sure. 
That's the problem. That's the problem. Okay, so the it, it is tricky because female dogs like to squat quite low to the ground. Mm. Um, so the important thing is, I tend to recommend people get um, a takeaway container that they've had, you know, some nice Thai or Indian or something. Make sure it's really clean that you've washed it out really well with, um, like, just a normal sort of dish detergent, and then that it's dry. Um, and then you take her out on a leash, and what you want to try to do is to when she squats down. You want to try to get that dish underneath from behind. So try to go underneath the tail in between. The nice thing about takeaway containers is that they're not too tall. And if you get the corner in, if you can sort of stick it in an angle, you get the corner in, um, you're usually going to catch it. Remembering mm. that um, her vulva is sort of just below the tail. So you don't need to go really far underneath the legs. If you try to come from the front, you have to go quite far back. But if you go from the back, you don't have to go under too far. Obviously, the tricky part with the border collie is that they've got lots of fluff back there um, and so you're likely to get a little bit of that dangling into it but it's not a major drama and you don't need to collect a huge sample we can actually do a lot of work on you know a tablespoons worth of urine that will give me pretty well all the information I need so um, you know if she is if she is really hairy um, it can it can help to take a pair of scissors and trim some of the hair um, you know sort of just between her legs or just under underneath her, the um, uh, base of her tail you know just so it's a little bit shorter there but yeah it's really about trying to um, sort of sneak in as she's squatting sneak in and sort of grab a little bit from behind is the easiest way um, if it's hard for you to get down then and particularly because it can be hard with one person holding on to the leash mm. at the same time so yes. you might you know have somebody else take her hold the leash so that you can sort of just focus on sort of getting down there so two person um, job can be you got some rubber gloves there Philip I guess I've got rubber gloves. Yeah. You might, you know, based on my experience, you might want a pair of gloves as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. good luck. Yeah, always a challenge. It's a little bit tricky. Certainly, um, you know, we sometimes, when people are, have a hard time getting urine samples, sometimes we'll get them to bring the dogs into us um, and I'll let the nurses do the hard work. So they'll spend a, spend a few hours with us through the day because you sometimes have to give them a chance to build up the wee and then we take them out for a walk and, and the nurses can get it. So if you're really struggling to do it, um, talk to your vet about how having a little, you know, a little day stay. Fabulous. <laughs> Look, if you've got a question, we still have a little bit more time, but now would be the time to get in. 49216216. As we go uh, to see our dog of the week, now we've got Dude here and Dude by name and nature. Happy-go-lucky six-month-old blue cattle dog, Cross Kelpie, uh, looking for that perfect home who will love, cherish and, and you know, obviously become part of the family. Uh, so pretty shy boy underneath it all. Mm. Only six months old. So Kimberly's still developing a sense of, of who, he, who is. he is. Yes, yep. And and like the caller earlier, probably going to have a few little, you know, teenagerish behaviours and, and challenges along the line. But it's nice when you get them young too. Well, it certainly is. Uh, apparently with Dude at the moment, it takes a little while to get to know you, as it should. Uh, but then once he does undivided and devoted loyalty and ad adoration. <laughs> uh, so, look, it sounds like Dude's just beautiful, loves being around humans, does need to be inside, though. I mean, uh, this this is a type of dog that isn't happy to be outside if the rest of the, the pack or the family is inside. So yeah. try, yeah. try to like keep that in mind. Sounds like he's pretty bonded. He does mm. sound very bonded. Loves to run around outside, though, when the humans are there as well, of course, uh, and loves, you know, you know you're going to have to be doing walking and, and 
and really exercise this dog. Yes, yeah. So it says um, that, you know, he's going to need somebody who's who's a pretty active lifestyle, certainly not going to suit an apartment dweller. Um, has some basic training already, which is really good. He can He's toilet trained and he does some basic training. But again, he's a teenager. He's a young dog. So we're going to still need to keep working on that. And currently happily living with an older dog and a cat. So that's really good news. So quite, quite willing to live with other animals as well. Um, best not suited to a home with children under five. So still a puppy, can get excited, can knock them, that sort of thing unintentionally. So look, if you think you're looking for a, a pet, you could be in the market, you will need a big fence. I think we mentioned that, then please head to our website and check out dude2nurfm.com.au is the place to go. Now, let's go back to our callers. Uh, hello, Amy in Newcastle. Have you got a question for Dr. Kimberly Earl today? Yes, thank you. I'm similar to the other callers. I've got a, a dog I adopted with a skin allergy. The vet's got, a, got her on Apoquil. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know if that was an appropriate long-term kind of lifetime solution, like really pale tummy with very pink pores, yeah. um, so to help with her itch. Sure. Listen, Apoquil is a fantastic medication. It's a um, sort of like an allergy blocker. Um, it we, we do have patients on it long term. Um, there has been um, uh, an association with um, high dose use and long term use sometimes um, with an increased risk of tumors developing, but it's pretty low risk of that. So I think we tend to avoid using it in dogs who have already had a known um, history of certain types of tumors and things like that. Um, it certainly can be a lifesaver for some of these dogs in terms of, um, you know, discomfort. You know, it really can make a really big difference. Um, I still believe that if if you can do it, I mean, Apoquil is not an inexpensive drug. And if you can do it, it's still potentially worthwhile going to a dermatologist because if we can do a desensitization program, um, then that's going to, you know, get your dog to a point where it potentially doesn't need to have anything. But I certainly, we, we use lots of Apoquil. I think it's a great drug. Um, and for some of these dogs who are miserable in their life, then it's definitely, um, you know, worthwhile continuing on with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Okay, thank you. Very good. Thank you. Nothing worse than when you're itchy. You just, you know, you know yourself. It really is. Uh, Let's go to John now. Hi, John. You're in Hinton. You've got a suggestion. Yes, how are you going? Yeah, look, in regard to collecting urine from the dog, um, we usually have sample containers at home. But all we do is we let them out the back. We've got um, uh, French French Bulldog and Labradors, yep. and we just follow them around. We get a kitchen saucer, and when they squat, they don't mind you coming up behind them. Just shove it underneath um, and just tip it into one of the containers and whack the, the plate in the dishwasher. It's no oh. major We've never had a problem. No, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the nice thing about the... Um about the takeaway container too. It's just got a little bit more of a lip on it because I think sometimes with the saucer you can um, you can risk spilling a little bit. But that's fine. It's not a problem. And and I would do the same thing. Tip the takeaway container into a smaller container or something. But then you reuse the saucer, is it? Oh, you we can. Never, we, we never use gloves. I mean, to say it's... it's, oh. it's it's, no, it's no problem. What's the matter with it? Uh, reusing the saucer, oh, each to their own, I suppose. <laughs> um, there you go. I think I'll just stick with the disposable uh, takeaway containers, okay? That's, yeah. Listen, it's, you know, dishwashers are pretty much, stir, you know, they, they'll 
sterilize your dishes pretty no, well these days so no i'm not happy with that thought no? okay. whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but there you go you know but whatever suits in the household is just fine but i, will, right. I would be picking where i was going yeah. going for dinner i'll be honest <laughs> uh but you know what i think it's a vet thing as well because i know my sister-in-law she she puts the dog bowl in the dishwasher and washes them up and i'm like yep. no nah. No. I do that. I think oh. it's done separately. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah, no. If I need to, you know, fill the dishwasher, it'll be like, oh, dog bowl. Time oh, to wash dog bowl. Yeah. <laughs> no. But then I'm quite happy to kiss my dog and have him sleep in the bed. So, you know, we're all, we're all hypocritical here. <laughs> <laughs> and look, that's it for Pet Chat today. Kimberly. thank you. It's very, been great. Thank you. It I'll be back been. on the 25th, I think. Oh, looking forward to it. And thank you so much for all of the calls. It's always a pleasure uh, to be able to have Kimberly or whoever our vet is be able to help you out of course it will be back uh next week from midday that's it for today 